0: This podcast was recorded on August 18th, 2022. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, people outside the binary. Broken Class is back in session. I'm your discussion leader, Thomas Gradient Huda. And I have uh, probably, honestly, the most famous person I've ever had on my podcast, which I think uh, if you do podcasting and things like this, it can be a real leg up and a really nice to have somebody who's willing to reach down into the proletariat. <laughs> and. And do a show with just an average average fella. So Ben Glebe, uh, comedian and a Young Turks, Young Turks contributor, uh, political satirist, uh, you are on the show. Welcome. How are you? I'm really good, Thomas. Thanks for having me, man. You are quite welcome. Let me tell people a little bit of a brief rundown. On your website, BenGlebe.com, you have a long bio. That's and true. I, I need I'm to the- make a
1: shorter one there. as like a teaser one because it's too long for people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But it is rich. It is rich. You know, it's like, and I, I'm a person who I take pride in all these little things I've done. So my, I have a hard time doing the one page resume thing. (laughs) But, um, for for example, uh, things that you did that that actually came to my attention was, uh, the 2020 election when you kind of determined as I had determined at the time that nobody looked like they would be able to defeat Trump using conventional political tactics. And you decided to run for president, And, uh, you had a relative amount of success despite the fact that people were gatekeeping at every corner, I would say, and, and often giving you this slick little, you're a comedian. Is your, is your campaign a joke? Kind of, they think it's funny and ultimately it's probably not that funny every time they're doing it. Um, (laughs) but, uh, you also were the host of the show, idiot test 210 episodes recently. It was on Netflix trending. It's a game show where you did brain teasers essentially and demonstrated uh your love of of owning idiots uh mm-hmm. <laughs> revealing the stupidity that we are a little bit too uh okay with potentially in our society or or that we promote and uh you had a moment where you walked out on Tommy Laren's show on Fox Nation that I thought was full of integrity and passion you also um, Somewhere in 2020, I believe, or 2021, you were on Charlie Kirk's uh show, who's a evangelist uh who was trying to get young people to be more evangelists so the whole country can follow Jesus. Uh you owned him by showing a photo of a fetus that he was let's just talk about that for a second, then we'll get into your controversial opinion. What happened from your perspective on the Charlie Kirk appearance? Sure.
1: I mean, I've never even thought of him as an evangelist. As more, He's more, he's more of, a, to me, a so- social and political evangelist than he is a religious evangelist. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure he also wants everybody to, to be very fervent with his exact religious beliefs, too. But he reached out and asked me in my DMs if I would go debate him in his studio in Arizona. And famously, um, Eric Swalwell, Congressman Swalwell, got the same DM and turned him down and put him on blast. And I instead said yes, because I wanted to go debate an, erect, an, an erectionist, an insurrectionist to his face, <laughs> even though he seemed to have one of those at the end when he walked off of the debate that I kind of made him bounce out of his own studio. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my memes kind of highlighted that. but um, uh, And I agreed to do it under very strictly negotiated terms that I negotiated over the course of weeks to make sure that he would not try to Edit anything out. That I'd be allowed to shoot my own f- copy of it, right? Um, and broadcast that on my own channels, and that they would fly me out and give me a car service and a hotel room and pay for my meals, and so I won all those negotiating points. So I finally said yes. And well done. And uh, we had this debate. I studied a, a, every detail of abortion rights and abortion law and abortion advocacy. And you know, reproductive rights advocacy for weeks, and was advised by some of the top organizations, like uh, informally advised by Planned Parenthood and NARAL And I see your shirt in the background there, I like that. Um, yeah, as I
0: sit here, and it says I'm standing with Planned Parenthood, just
1: lazily, exactly sitting. right? <laughs> and and uh, as you're sitting, right? And um, and Alyssa Milano gave me some great advice, and some other really great people, and. I flew out there and my girlfriend and I, now fiance, flew out there and and did the debate and the rest of it unfolds, as you can see on my YouTube channel, the unedited version. It's also, he subsequently released an unedited version on his after I put on blast, the fact that he cut out the bonus section where I called him out on being an insurrectionist and he stormed off his own show. So then he released another version, (laughs) which had that in it. But um, mine's better because it doesn't even cut cameras. It's just intense on one iPhone shot the whole time. And then um, yes. he stormed out, and his security kind of came down pretty intensely and aggressively. And my heart was 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 beating pretty fast at the end of all that. And they were in, really hovering, trying to get us out of the building as soon as possible. Um, but uh, I still had the car service, so I asked them to take me to me and Carmel to a nice sushi restaurant in phoenix and had a 270 sushi dinner on charlie kirk's dime <laughs> if these That's idiots phenomenal. are gonna give him millions of dollars to try to tear down the country i was actually doing a service to all the country you need now is ben shapiro
0: to get you ramen you know
1: yeah mm. <laughs> yeah he's probably getting raw men all the time you know what i mean <laughs> all of these these aggressively, I'm straight, and my wife and I love having missionary sex, probably closeted gay dude, so good for him. He was so disgusted by the concept of a wet pussy. He was really
0: not. Really, was he? You didn't see this? Oh, he was no. making fun of the Megan the Stallion Cardi B song, Wet Ass Pussy. Oh, yes, I know and that. And he was repeating it and saying, and just talking about how... Uh, you know, if you need a mop to wipe up, uh, you know, from from this discharge happening, you, that might be the sign of a condition. Then you might want to get that checked out. He thought he was
1: being witty. And Ooh, then that, wow. <laughs> the Internet said
0: Ben Shapiro's never seen a wet
1: vagina. Wow. My wife has never been wet and she is pleased on account of the fact that I financially tell her that and she has no choice but to <laughs> agree with whatever sexual nothing I give her.
0: And then a really slick uh, advertisement, like, rolling straight into, like, you know, use promo code, never seen a wet pussy. Uh, at- <laughs> you need boner pills like I do? <laughs> I'm Ben Shapiro. See, the problem, Ben, with having you on the show is I am just, uh, I'm, like, barely funny for an average person. So the ability to, like, keep up, you know, you're on this, you're on the Nikki Glazers podcast, you're on all these podcasts with actual comedians.
1: I'm here trying to (laughs) Thomas, don't shortchange yourself. I've been talking with you now for a few minutes and it's totally true what you're saying. But you'll you'll (laughs) you'll step it up.
0: Absolutely. Well,
1: let's talk about a controversial fantastic, dude. You're all good. A a controversial opinion
0: besides that I'm fantastic, which which yields much controversy in the street. That was gonna be
1: my controversial opinion. Damn, I need another one now? All right.
0: (laughs) But what what is one that you have on anything?
1: Uh, well, I have a new special that just dropped called The Mad King on YouTube. And Hell in yeah. it, I talk about, um, I know you've seen it a couple times, two yes. and a half times.
0: Yes. Roughly two and a half. Yes.
1: That's what you told me. I love that. And in it, I do, uh, early in the special, I talk about how you know, I've been trying to write bits that like can actually make some progress instead of everything always preaching to the choir. And so... Mm. I do a bit kind of appealing to racists and bigots saying, and homophobes saying, look, we know you're never going to stop being that, so go ahead and be that. Continue being a bigoted person and complain about how much you hate groups that are different than you around your bitter, disgusting family Thanksgiving dinner. I don't even say disgusting. I say go ahead and do it around your sad little Thanksgiving table. All we ask is that you don't pass laws to make the lives of these people harder. That's it. What makes your opinion so much more important than other people? We all judge some group, and I kind of make it okay to judge people, I guess, in this opinion. I say, we all judge some group. There's some group we all judge. We just don't pass laws to try to make their lives more difficult. So you don't think trans people, a, 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 a trans man is a real man. Fine, I don't think adults who skateboard, I don't think they're real men. (laughs) But I don't try to stop them from using the bathroom they identify with. Exactly. So there's the controversy off the chain, off the top.
0: Well, you know, in sincerity, you're acknowledging that, you know, uh, limitless idealism uh, might be misguided to assume that humans, the same species that did insert X crisis here in every, historical event that was bad and war that we still love war you know th- this very flawed species of life will be capable of just ascending to some to some ha ah, some some magical existence where we no longer have any prejudices it's not not particularly viable i think yeah. um and then i Sadly. think you know the left right culture war has something to do a lot with I mean, I feel like a lot of people on the right have said, "Okay, people on the left, they keep trying to uh, virtue signal. They keep trying to what what it is 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 frankly improve their education about marginalized groups to uh, usher in a world where more people are afforded basic freedoms and rights. And a lot of people who don't like some of the language that's being used on the left, and and some of, and say you've gone too far. They might feel okay going far in the other direction and saying, ah, I no longer care about, for example, the Obergefell ruling that that allowed gay marriage to be federally legal. You know, it's almost like, it's almost like this cowboys and nerds dynamic <laughs> that i just i don't know if we're even having the same discussion sometimes which is why i like podcasting because it allows for a long form you know ability to pick apart yeah. what's going on in the world. totally and, and
1: two thoughts on that there's no phrase that i that annoys me more than virtue signaling right um it's literally people that's what, what some of the things they, they all all three of those traders kept shouting at me at the end of that Tommy Lahren debate where the other one was actual trader, Brandon Strzok Mm. saying virtue signaling. I'm like, you mean talking about caring about people, me speaking out loud about how we need to create equality finally for marginalized groups. Right. So the opposite of that is not speaking publicly to help people. And that's what you're, you're mocking speaking publicly to help people is total insanity
0: total insanity. yeah the, the demonstration that one actually has a moral code and virtues about the world is somehow looked at like ew gross shit lib <laughs> so insane and then the, what do you said there's
1: another thing i was gonna say i don't remember it
0: that's fine um you also um have this nowhere comedy club uh, is that's I'd love to get a update on where that is moving forward and, and what that's been like, because for example, again, uh, I've got a list of people who have been a part of this project that you did with Steve Hofstetter. Uh, I think you and him kind of co-led this initiative during the pandemic to create a space where comedians could get their, I mean, their livelihood taken care of by being able to do comedy shows in a way that was, that was safe uh, and took place online. And you got a lot of testimonials, um, people saying that it was a lot more dynamic and interesting than than they had expected from a virtual experience. I mean, obviously, people were doing shows in cars, and you know, in rural Ohio, and Chappelle's hosting things. Everyone's trying to figure out how to do events and being able to get. I mean, comedy, obviously a lot of people then my audience might not be inclined towards like stand up comedy or, or name it as one of their favorite things. It is one of my favorite things. You know, I lived in Manhattan for a year. I went to a lot of clubs. And, you know, one thing comedians understand that maybe the general public doesn't is that you don't know that your act is working unless you're working it out on stage and you need to refine it with an audience. Um, so you had the Nowhere Comedy Club project, and you had guests such as Sarah Silverman, Bill Burr, Nikki Glaser, who's one of your good friends, Greg Proops, Jamie Kennedy, the Sklar Brothers. I grew up loving their show, Cheap Seats, mm-hmm. on ESPN. So funny! Judah Friedlander, Todd Berry, Christian Finnegan. The list goes on. And so t- uh, I'd love to hear about uh, that experience, and also moving forward, uh, if you're, what's going on with it.
1: Yeah, uh, it was an incredible experience. It's just an idea that I had to try to solve for an immediate problem with my back against the wall. Was trying to figure out how we could still have a very enjoyable and very workable, um, high-functioning online show because a lot of people were trying to do it, but they were failing at it and making it horrible and really hurt us because they were they were staining the idea toward a lot of people's eyes and. Right we figured out how to do it. Steve and I figured out how to make it a really positive experience and make it really as close as you can get to recreating what it feels like to be out at a live comedy venue. And it was amazing. And, um, what we didn't expect was how much, and and we, we, we hoped it would give a lot of community and a lot of joy to people as not as an audience during a very hard time as well, which it did. But we didn't also expect that it would create such a strong-knit community. Um, people's lives were really changed by it. Um, yeah. I would get messages every couple of days of people saying they don't know if they would have made it through the pandemic if it weren't for nowhere, and the shows I would do there, and Steve would do there, and SDSC, our other show. And, and um, we also didn't realize we were solving for a need that exists that we never thought of, which is groups that can never – go out or rarely can go out to an actual in-person venue to see live entertainment, people with financial limitations, people who can't get babysitters, people who live in remote areas and acts never come near them or their favorite acts don't come for years to them. People with confined social anxiety, to a bed. people confined to a bed with disabilities, social anxiety um, that are never able to experience a live show. And, you know, we have people on the autism spectrum and with, autism that come to our shows we have people that have been introverts their whole lives that are now bit players in my glebe off the top show and our funny characters on it and and um it really it was really cool so in all pandemic i did a show monthly with greg proops a two-man whose line is it anyway show basically called greg and glebe it's a g thing and <laughs> the club is continuing um it's not at the height of where it was when nobody had any other options so we're trying to figure out how to build it back up right now but we've still got about we have about 60 shows a month and now we've got probably about eight to ten shows a month at the moment and um i recently did one with john cleese i mean the the, oh yeah the the absolute comedy legend and founder of monty python and his daughter camilla cleese some of my
0: audience will know as nearly headless nick from harry potter
1: Yes, correct, correct, and um, we did a show called Please Leave Me Alone, <laughs> um, and we hope to do it again soon, and Paul Provenza's Green Room is coming back, and Kelly Carlin's going to be hosting, George Carlin's daughter is going to be hosting, co-hosting some of them with Paul Provenza, and we just did one at nowhere, and so we're trying to figure out to get more people to buy tickets to it again and more acts to perform at it, but it is still alive and well. And um, we'll see what the future holds for Nowhere. People can get tickets. Check it out at NowhereComedyClub.com and peruse the shows and buy a ticket. They're cheap. $10 usually, early bird, $15 um, if you get them late. And then you can even get VIP tickets where you can then get access to a private, intimate meet and greet afterwards, semi-private, where you're all together in a small Zoom and everybody gets a question guaranteed. And so it's a really cool experience. And I'm so glad that I did it. It's yet again another thing that I've done that kind of distracted me from my own comedy, which I seem to often get distracted from my own career needs to try to do these things that, you know, help others, that help the country running for office, that help comedy, creating this comedy club, that Telethon for America, that tried to help voter turnout and tried to help the elections. And I'm very proud of all of those things, but they are definitely to some degree at the detriment of my career. And so... I'm Mm -hmm. trying now finally to also make my main focus be my own comedy career and commentary and hosting career, even though the vast majority of the things that I do within that output is still social and political commentary. And I just relaunched my podcast where I summarize the world each week and speak out about politics (laughs) and issues in a way that I think hopefully will help the planet, help the country – while making you laugh a little bit. And these young Turks things, like you mentioned, I'm researching and pulling, I pulled like 40 all nighters in the last three months, trying to get these done by my 7am deadline and working myself kind of ragged, but it's just kind of in my nature to do so. And so I'm, I'm just trying to create stuff that has an impact on people.
0: Yeah. I think you've got the tenacity that is required along with the neuroticism that makes you so focused on these many different things happening that
1: I, they say. Oh yes, uh, that was the thing that, you just reminded me when you said neuroticism, it reminded me of my first special, Neurotic Gangster, which is. Love that special. Thank you, which is what I was gonna say um, earlier, when you said about, you know, these people on the right, we don't know if we're talking the same terms and they like kind of win these debates is, Mm. or these, you know, they present themselves as so strong and that's part of why we need to do so much better on messaging on the left. And part of why I call the special, The Mad King is like, we need to start, claiming on our side, on the good-minded, moral-minded side of society, our messaging to be stronger and create terms that counterbalance the bullshit of virtue signaling or the bullshit of, of all these terms that just make them seem stronger and us seem weaker, um, when the opposite is true. I mean, they're flitting in the wind, these self-serving, greedy assholes that are trying to tear down the country, for their own monetary benefit and for their own power. And if we don't combat that with equally strong messaging and titling and nomenclature and and, and phraseology, then we are going to lose. And so we've, right. we can't be so humble that we let the future disappear.
0: Yeah. Hopefully we're not so humble that we do that. That's <laughs> letting the future disappear. Seems like an option that isn't desirable.
1: Um, yeah. I would say I'm, I'm anti that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very um, pro future not disappearing. Mm-hmm. And and I'm and pro where my dog not scratching on this door while I'm doing a podcast, Henry. And you know I was. You knew I was. Come in, but Daddy has to work, so you can't be making noise on the door. Okay? Dogs
0: do not care about podcasts. Uh, just like most of society probably doesn't, but dogs even less so. Yeah, um, that's true. I, uh, and then I think you know, doing a little less to I- infighting on the left. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like for example, I I would probably have observed a lot of this from being a 28 year old who went to college fairly recently. I went to a small private liberal arts college called Carleton college in Minnesota, 2000 students, cold, rural, not a whole lot to do except for try to become the most woke person you can. And that is <laughs> a, again, a no, a completely noble and excellent thing. I mean, a lot of these people too, frankly, I mean, it, it was the kind of school that attracted people from everywhere in the country, rural, urban, et cetera. And, um, so you had people who had basically never interacted with like black people that came to the school. And then you had people from like Queens, New York, who had never seen farmland. And uh, I, I guess, though, that um, it, it did become rather clear to me that I think there, I think that people who, who want social justice have an, have a sense of urgency that is super understandable because so many things are overdue in society. Where I did where it can on individual levels. Right. We have to evaluate on a case by case basis. Be um, troublesome is when you feel so strongly that everybody should agree with this thing that you feel is an obvious truth. I don't even really want to name necessarily something that you will, you know, call somebody out who might agree with you 85 percent of the time. But, you know, and then there's also this is happening concurrently with this online culture growing to Epic proportions where it's a lot more attractive and uh, gets you more clicks and views and comments when you're being a little bit more inflammatory inflammatory about people.
1: Totally. But also that's why I don't think it's very helpful to actually be as woke as you can. I think I make fun of that in the special a little bit too. That's Mm -hmm. too woke. I think you Mm -hmm. need to be moral. You need to defend the underdog, but not, we don't need to, to defend every individual person's, every individual feeling being hurt at all times at the detriment and always worrying so much about, about um, not stepping on the wrong words or the wrong phrases at the detriment of losing the the war. I mean, we're missing the forest for the trees and the forest is, is, is the big battle for the future. And so that's a problem. So I think we need to also like chill the fuck out a little bit too. Am I allowed to cuss on this podcast?
0: You can. Yes, you can. Great. Yeah. But- I, I mean, I, just
1: uh, real quick, so I feel more comfortable about the fact that I did. Yeah, Dingleberry, Fartknocker. Really, I don't think either of those count, really.
0: <laughs> um, you, you had mentioned the podcast that you do last week on Earth. Honestly, Ben, um, during 2019, which is when I found out about you through uh, Kelly Carlin's interview about your presidential candidacy, uh, I had been in the midst of. It, it's actually kind of. Well, I relate to your comedy a lot because I had a. I didn't know I was in a manic episode in 2018 and early 2019, but I was because you don't know that kind of a thing until later when doctors are like, oh, remember when you did all that stuff? I'm like, oh, yeah, but um, I didn't I was diagnosed then as bipolar. I don't even know that I fully agree with that. It just was this big confluence of factors. Me living in Manhattan, doing grad school at Columbia, hating uh, one of my professors who was a bully. Uh, I didn't hate her, but it was. There was all these things I was just trying to get my daily nutrition and sleep and 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 everything met. I just wasn't sleeping and it all spilled out of control. But a lot of it frankly came from being in this city where there's so much power, you know, it's the financial capital of the country and probably the world. And seeing so much injustice still be put on display and no one caring and you walk by the homeless person on the street and it's just so indifferent to you and and working in um essentially i was working in fast food and some of the clientele were just absolutely abhorrent to my black peers for the most part i would broke broke down in tears once from seeing one of my black peers be treated so badly by a white woman and um and that i think is what is appealing to me about like your special like the mad king you are just uh people can and it was true in neurotic gangster as well I where you were shouting about like uh how ridiculous the automatic um hand drying uh <laughs> machines are they your hands are still wet after they've been blowing on you forever very very funny bit um <laughs> but but just like that that was my brain like that and so that's why when I tap into your stuff I'm like man, it feels good, but it's also like, I used to be there being angry about everything. I still am because there's plenty of stuff to be angry about, but I found where my own personal health limit is in that conversation. And like, for example, with your podcast, you most recently are reviving it for like season two, right? And, and well, you're trying season, not to be so-
1: season 11, probably more so. Right. True. Because there's like well over 200 episodes. You're doing this for 11 years.
0: Right. Right. That's true. Um. And you're trying not to be as hard on yourself, you mentioned, uh, about, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's your release schedule or just things being perfect. And um, so what inspired you to want to be publicly saying, I'm trying to be less hard on myself, you know? Just uh, therapy, everything?
1: you know, I have just, I mean, I, A, I always just try to be as honest as I possibly can with my audience because, A, it's, there's, it's a lot easier to... Bear your soul than it is to, you know, try to create an artifice and maintain it and remember what you said and what you didn't say. And also people connect to it better. And it just leads to comedy more. The more honest you can be, the more you can connect to your true frustration, which people have always told me for better or worse that when, even when I'm very frustrated or very angry about something, I come off as funny oftentimes. And so it just leads better into having a more, um, strong voice and strong opinion about things if you can just truly let loose and not have to worry about how you're presenting, but just be more vulnerable. But, yeah, I started therapy a year and a half ago, and it really has changed. I mean, it hasn't changed me drastically, but I think it's just teaching me to realize some of these negative thought patterns where I'm very hard on myself, and even though I'm doing a ton of things, all I focus on is I'm failing at the things I'm not doing, and that's no good. I mean, Mm. It's, you know, I'm getting older and so I don't want to, I don't want my life to end and feel like I let, I was a letdown to myself when Mm. in fact I I probably should be proud of the things I've done. I've done a lot of things. So I'm just trying to, and putting it out there helps, it helps put, helps hold you to account. You're reminding me of it now. That's helpful. (laughs) I think therapy
0: is, obviously we've been in the last few years in a space in american culture where we're talking about mental health and talking about those things more and trying to destigmatize i also think that it's a it's a world or an industry or whatever a profession that has been maybe hindered by the fact that it's very difficult to get a good accurate positive depiction of therapy in like a movie a 90 minute movie because movies are i mean there might be one scene where the you know protagonist has to go to the therapist or something and and it's really the kind of thing a lot of therapy i think is somewhat mundane but i also think that the growth that occurs from it has to happen on a much larger time scale than maybe a lot of media is able to present successfully like i can't for I sure guess, I, that's what a lot of good people hunting think say. is a, an exception goodwill hunting does a great job of right. predicting
1: therapy but and people say the sopranos did a good job of it i don't I, I didn't really watch the sopranos but nor did i but he was in therapy like the whole series and that was a big thing. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of therapy can be mon- mundane, but also I think for me oftentimes it's on Wednesdays. <laughs> so it's not so. always mundane. <laughs> um, and also,
0: uh, I don't know why I just want to go to a youth group now. When I was in uh, church in high school, I would we would have a youth group on Wednesdays. Not, the most fun I'm not thing joining. That ever I'm happen. too old for that. Yes. Yeah, you're, you're 42, right? Well, something like that. Okay. <laughs> Um, I do hope people check out the Mad King. Really, it's right behind you. They can't, uh, you know, make an excuse that they couldn't spell it. It even says YouTube behind you. Ben Glebe the Mad King, YouTube. It's about um, it. And it wouldn't be surprise. It wouldn't be too surprising to me if you are receiving repressed views based on just what feel. you're talking about and how you're doing it. Yeah, I, I heard I that on Nikki Blazers Spot today. On
1: What's that? Oh, yeah. Nikki's podcast. Yeah, I feel like I'm being shadow banned. I mean. I mean, luckily, thanks to all the press I've been doing to try to counteract that, it's starting to take off the view. So I want to knock on wood and hope that that turns away and that we maybe are starting to break through. But, you know, it's just something I've found in general, and I guess if shadow ban is probably the word for it, um, is when you talk about smarter things, the algorithms do not like it. You said it earlier. You need to be extreme. You need mm-hmm. to be reactionary. You need to be inflammatory to blow up the internet the first three seconds of video has to be i'm about to beat up 24 homeless people eat 14 sandwiches and have sex with 42 ninjas all the next two and a half minutes stay tuned to hook people and it's like all that does is dumb down our brains and honestly it makes ninjas pretty sore (laughs) you know what i mean yeah yeah no um I want to write a children's book about
0: whether a clown can also be a ninja and whether a ninja can also be a clown. What people don't know is that this is actually a subtle reference to my love. Uh, I like fandoms. I love the insane clown posse. You know, you heard that in half an hour, you've heard that I hated uh, Columbia and that I love juggalos. So you're
1: a rapper. So I can't wait to see what your rapper mask looks like. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little
0: like MF Dooms, but more uh, Asian inspired because I am half Japanese too. Interesting. Um, What's the other half? Um, basic white. No, sorry, that <laughs> that makes it sound like I'm white is Japanese default. Half Japanese and
1: half basic bitch.
0: <laughs> True. Uh, actually, um, every a lot of my show too. A lot of my guests are like local Eugene, Oregon people. Um, so uh, let me ask you uh, briefly because we're a ha- half hour in now. Like everything you know about Eugene, Oregon, and what your perception of Eugene, Oregon might be—have you been here?
1: I think I've been to Eugene, but I don't. Because you're slacking.
0: Steve Hofstetter comes here often.
1: Well, I bet Steve. God bless him. Does 150 cities a year, and he'll go to any venue, small or large. They'll have him. Lucky for him now, and after, not even luck. It's a lot of hard work and talent. But he's now, you know, filling up bigger venues. But for a long time there, he was going to any coffee house or bar that he could put up chairs and turn into a comedy venue. And he really built quite a fan base by, by doing that. But I think I've been to Eugene, but I don't really know anything about Eugene. I know it's in Oregon and Oregon's in the United States. I know that the Oregon trail probably passed through Eugene and that, and that, (laughs) uh, there's a wonderful little motel owned by Eugene Levy that is not in Eugene, Oregon, but they (laughs) do share a name in common and both of them have great eyebrows.
0: I just hope that Shits Creek was not uh, inspired by Eugene in any way. Like the Simpsons was inspired by Eugene's neighboring city of Springfield, Oregon. And we will. Right. Uh,
1: True. Yes. And also I hope that Eugene was not uh, the inspiration for Eugenics, which is not how you pronounce yes. it, but I was trying to make those connect.
0: Well, frankly, I mean, the KKK was pretty present in Eugene uh, and still probably has elements uh and so that's not part of the
1: happy. you're not selling this town great no <laughs> it's you ran for uh, mayor right you ran for city I did. council i mayor. ran for
0: mayor yes no actually you i finished wanted to, second in like a I, six-way I, race seven-way I race i did i finished second in a seven-way race that's hopefully I, I needed to lead with that in order to get my foot in the door for you to even care about this podcast so i'm glad i did that i do think that it um It probably had a lot of parallels in terms of like, honestly, I sit back and I look. So May 2020 was the was the election, like May 19th. And then I believe it was on the 24th or the 25th that there was an uproar about a man who was murdered by a police officer in Minnesota. Uh, So the George Floyd uprising occurred directly afterwards. And of course, a lot of my platform had things that they would end up demanding in the movement. And no one took it seriously before that uprising occurred, you know? And so I got to sit back and say, okay, now you want to do, uh, or at least you want to give lip service to, um, some of the things that are being proposed here. Like what? Um, I would say that I actually had a, had create arts and creativity as part of my platform. And so like, I would go to the mayor's art show and they had literally one art like piece th- that was depicting a person of color. And it was like a black guy, like far in the dark corner. And I just thought that was really cringe. So just like, uh, I had 64 policy goals that I articulated in eight categories. So I was very, very methodical with it. I don't remember them now all that well. Um, but in general, you know, uh, Eugene has just this history of, 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 it's like it's like okay all of Eugene's history okay we're there's good things in there but we're okay with racism and we'll be a hub for racism and then all of a sudden maybe the 60s happen and we're like actually we're the most progressive place in the world we're like this anarchist space um i don't need i don't think we need to talk about Eugene too much but i but i but it's it's i've i take pride in helping people confront that history and try to confront it in a way that can lead to them being being more educated about who has always been their neighbors here who hasn't been included for example ward 8 it's the area with the most uh, latino latinx population and also the most polluted area in the city and so are we okay with that is there things we can do to to establish more equity in terms of air quality etc um but I sound like I'm on the trail again, and I'm not, but I wanted to say, because um, my head goes in so many different directions. Uh, Latinx, about,
1: another term that people are too woke or trying to push on the Latin community that they do not seem to like.
0: That is, seems to be the case, and and you wouldn't have been able to tell people that when I was in college, man, at Carleton. Right. Like I, I mean, you can't it, even
1: say Latinx in Spanish, if that gives you any, it's, it would, it would right. be Latinx, 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 Latinx. which is, doesn't sound good to anybody. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean the very basis of Spanish, it's a language that genders every even inanimate object, you know, things are male or female, and to say, Well no longer Latin people, now all of your people are without any sort of identification to what your language has always been based in. It's one of the romantic languages, and I think it's we don't need to get we don't need to do away with gender identity to embrace people with different gender identities. Gender identity creates a lot of the polarity in the world that makes it interesting and fun.
0: Mm, yeah. I actually like that in your special, you, um, Nikki made the point that you, uh, do topics that maybe seem like they've been done like religion. Um, but you have in- unique or interesting angles on them, or you just, you're a smart, you're a smart gentleman, Ben, and you, you, it's nice to see somebody up there on stage who I know is, very intelligent i mean i i don't get that from watching a lot of comedians all the time uh even though it takes it takes intellect to to do comedy um and you ended your special funny enough you're welcome on uh (laughs) wait what was the terminology i was gonna use um what did you end your special
1: with
0: (laughs) the moon thing Yes. A lunar events. Who ends their special with the critique of the media hyping up lunar events?
1: But it's yeah. so fucking true. Well, look, a lot of comedians won't take on the moon, but I'll do it. I'm not afraid of big moon. I have never <laughs> bowed down to big moon. They can control the oceans, but they cannot control my mouth. <laughs> Good. Um, but, but it's true. also as to, you know, Nikki said that and, and it was a compliment. She meant it that way, I think. But Right. When there's, you're talking about the large topics, you're gonna have a million people talking about them. It really is about the angle and whether what your joke is. Because one mean, that comes to mind the though time, is the airplanes. R- religion, of course. What's
0: that? Right. One that comes to mind is airplanes. Yeah. I mean, that's theoretically it's some it's it's yes. I was uh, so nervous. Topic.
1: I was so nervous. That's the only joke in the special that I wondered whether I should take out or not because. It's what is made fun of as the hacky topic, but I don't believe anybody's ever done my joke or had the realization about the the, the volume of announcements on the airplanes that I do in the special. And so, fuck will it. it, I'm gonna keep it, it be, and put it in the po- on the poster.
0: Am I infringing anything if I roll the clip now? Like roll not it, now, now, but I'm rolling it for the people because it's roll funny. It. You just dis- you decide, okay.
1: <laughs> but we're not capable of complex thought. We can't even get simple things right. How come we can never get the volume of the announcements right on airplanes? (laughs) We've had aviation for decades. No one's told this to the airlines. Always the announcements are far too loud or far too quiet. And the important ones are far too quiet. And the dumb ones are far too loud. The captain of this vessel gets on. He's always like... (laughs) There's an engine fire. There's a major engine fire at the plane. Go on, put your head in between your legs, secure your legs in between your legs, and suck your own dick before sucking the dick of anybody sitting to your left or right. Make sure your dick is firmly in your mouth before sucking the dick of anybody between your legs. I'm like, I'm sorry, did you say engine fire? <laughs> And then five minutes later, a flight attendant comes on. We're going to be coming down the aisle with the United Mile Blaster card. We're going to give you 50,000 bonus miles. Can you use that speaker for the death announcement? Because I'm sitting here sucking my own dick and I don't know what's next.
0: All right, you, you watched it. I think you agree that it was probably pretty funny. Yeah, um, you didn't even play it for me now live, but my God, did it make me laugh. <laughs> uh, someday I'll I'll be willing to pay, what, $15 a, <laughs> a month for some StreamYard or some service that's more interesting and dynamic think,
1: than Zoom. But a, I think it. StreamYard is free for, for the b- beginning levels, and B, you can screen share on Zoom. All right, well. Anyway, uh, let's move on to. Listen, I, uh, I can't help but give people notes. If you know anything about what they what they make fun of me for on SDSC, I always give notes. It's to help. It's not to be rude. It's to help improve people's product because that's what I do. I think that's wise.
0: Uh, no one it also gets uh, out without of my show. I'm fucking nervous. Like this is cool, man. I'm why are you nervous? I'm don't be nervous. Because you're famous. Um do I seem no, intimidating, though? <laughs> no, you definitely don't. But it also is a little I bit I don't? Like, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but also, I mean, you're using the same background that you do all the other shows with. It feels like I'm jumping into something that's just way
1: above where I'm currently at. Now, let me um, just tell you, it's all perception, man. You're, yeah. Professionals set up. The thing looks great. Your lighting looks great. You're a very intelligent person yourself. You're funny. You're accomplished. I, I appreciate it. Feels good for my ego that you're saying all those things, but it's not true that I'm above where you are or you're below. It's just all about the the forces that are you can't control that determine what you get exposure to or access to. But it doesn't affect the quality of the product, or certainly not the quality of the person. So don't be hard on yourself in that way.
0: Yeah. Um, funny, you mentioned earlier your fiance. I mean your girlfriend now is now your fiancée, and um, Fiancé. basic- She is my
1: fiancée. Eh? <laughs> Yes, and she's, she's maybe your financer. She's around she might on a be- chandelier.
0: Yes. <laughs> but um, I think, frankly, that when it comes to being a stand-up comic uh, comic who's trying stand-up to Stand-up communist? Are you accusing me of something, Thomas? I'm Come straight out a- with it. I'm falling apart have by you, the seams Are you right now, now or
1: have you ever been a member
0: of a stand-up communist? My sister attended Reed College where they still te- sell t-shirts that say communism, atheism, free love. And uh, they, yeah, they got in a little
1: bit of trouble during the McCarthy era. We're about I got eight steps recruited removed from by where Reed I was College when I was in high school to go to Reed, and I remember to this day they sent me a pamphlet, and I thought it was kind of trying to be intellectual, but also very cheesy, and I was not interested. It said, "Man is a read, but a thinking read." Yeah, that sounds like them. They have an interesting. Uh,
0: well, I we don't need to get into Reed College. What I wanted to get into <laughs> <laughs> was that. Success in stand-up comedy to me, it's it would seem like, in in showbiz in general, there's like a really like, I mean, when you're making millions of dollars a year, that's like that's like what like the one percent of the people that yeah. actually do I your mean, act,
1: Actually, people that less do that, but it's probably it's probably point one of a percent, right?
0: Exactly. But as far as being successful, you know, being financially comfortable
1: enough, to live is one percent one in hundred, so I mean, it's probably point oh one percent. But go ahead, Seth. yeah. Frankly, so
0: you know you. I would think of success as being like you know some of the basic life needs that are met you know enough notoriety you can go out and get some love when you're on stage but the fact also that you've convinced who i'm uh, told is a beautiful woman to marry you i think uh you probably have more success than many of your peers just from that um True to that, can we
1: get into that i mean you're told she's a beautiful woman just look back to to the end of march in my social you can see photos of our engagement uh she's stunning and she's stunning in every way. I mean, she's beautiful, but she's just the most interesting, lovely, funny, supportive, caring, sarcastic, both optimistic and people-hating, like, sardonic, <laughs> just hilarious human being, just does so much so well, multitask so well, cares about the little details of her life and my life more than I would have dreamed. I mean, I'm very, very lucky To have met her. uh, Her her name, I'm blanking on her name right now, but I know she's (laughs) great. I know she's one of the best.
0: Right. Well, Carmel is
1: wonderful. She's incredible.
0: Our uh, blind spots can be uh, both on display here because here I am just being like, you got a woman who's pretty, right? Like, you know, (laughs) not talking about any of these other things. And she just became a professor for crying out loud. She just became a college professor. Pretty darn cool. I would like to do that. I would like to be a college professor. Oh, Um,
1: you don't want to marry me, thank God. (laughs) uh
0: and idiot test though man uh let's talk about that i once i found out that you had that show and it was on netflix do you know why it got pulled from netflix i mean they're pulling things left and right i think they're just trying to figure out how to be financially solvent
1: yeah i don't know i mean you know they got it second run they got it for cheap i know that we were the second game show ever on netflix it was jeopardy and then and then my show and i know that it tons of people were watching on there because I would get messages constantly of people discovering it but mm-hmm. I also know it must have just been not enough of a number for it to move the needle for them And they need I guess pretty big numbers and they don't release numbers so I don't really know the answer but they had the option to pick up another 40 episodes and they didn't which was frustrating to me because it was pretty cool to have a show on Netflix but what can you do
0: it was I mean it's I was looking through your bio because there's so many things that you've done that are notable and impressive but I'm trying to think of go what? on what sounds the most, like, you know, what's the most simple way to, like, to, like, cut it down to, like, oh, he had a show and it was trending on Netflix? Like, that's, like, the most, like, I don't know. It that's checks the one.
1: box of being, like, he's made it.
0: Do that you it feel that you've box. made it?
1: <laughs> it depends what day you ask me that question. Right. Because, um, like, yeah, my show was trending on Netflix. I also didn't get a penny for that, for it being on Netflix. I signed a that's not gross. a great deal. Um, you know, I... I feel generally very established in the comedy world, but sometimes I don't, you know, when I took a better part of a year off to run for office and I came back, I felt out of sorts. And then I had a cool night with Chappelle that made me feel back. And then the pandemic hit and I got dropped by my agent. And then, you know, it's just a lot of ups and downs in this business that always keeps you humble. That's why comics generally are nice people even when they make it to the very top, because they've just battled in the trenches for so very long and so do i feel like i've made it in comedy yes and no i feel like i'm i'm established and respected a lot but am i financially secure for the rest of my life definitely not that's a, right. a big part of why i have to hustle this much am i even financially you know solid for the next few years no i need to really hustle to be able to stay above above my bills and above water. Um, but luckily I'm always able to do so knock on wood in recent, you know, and for, for many years now work does tend to come in. I just have to sometimes like not sleep for long stretches and work very hard to get there. So right. it just depends, you know, I've been on some cool lists that make me feel good, but then I don't have a tour booked for next year. Cause I took a year off and I don't have a touring agent at the moment and I need to figure that out. But then I'm anchoring shows on the young Turks and I feel great about that. But then, I don't have a TV show on the air for many years and my first special was on Showtime. I didn't even pitch streamers this time or networks this time because I wanted people to to have it be able to finally be shareable where I can hopefully get it seen by millions to finally expand my fan base to millions and millions. Millions, I think, know my face. Millions have heard my name. Yeah. Having done 400 episodes of television plus, but – Millions don't know me very well. I'm not a household name to probably even a few hundred thousand. There's probably a core group of far smaller than that that really are fans or like what I do. I've got a Patreon, but I've only got about 50 patrons, you know? So it's just a million mm-hmm. ways to answer that question. And um, and it's also not like like Netflix was knocking down my door for my special. So mm-hmm. have I made it? It just really depends. But um, But I'd rather answer it this way. I'm making it.
0: I like that. I like that. And honestly, um, we don't live in a world that's a meritocracy in terms of like you having talent means that you're going to just be have all of those no. successes that we've talked about. But at least, at least you do have talent. That's good. It's a little cringy when people believe they're better than they are, and I don't, I don't get that from you. Even though you do have an onstage persona that is smug, and I don't mean that negatively. I think it's it's effectively, you know, deployed. Um I when it comes to success and I'm surprised that you said that people that make it to the top are generally nice because I think like in music in my world people wouldn't uh use that same uh prediction that 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 Ariana Grande is like you know a total sweetheart you know etc
1: but but it, it's yeah, probably I you mean, don't have to grind in the same way and, and uh no I mean look I I think most people in comedy's more humbling than most businesses Right. and i do think most comics they make it big they are nice but they're what i mean more so by that is they're like friendly they're not going to be rude to people they they appreciate their fans they appreciate their their colleagues and they 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 are kind to them on the surface i think very few are nice as far as like going out of their way to help other comedians going out mm-hmm. of their way to help people um I don't mm. feel like, I have partic- like I'm have like i particularly close as far as true, true friendships to very many comedians, even though I'm surface level friends with hundreds of them. And right. most of the big names, they don't text me. I don't text them. Even when I do text with big names, they'll write back. But when I need something, sometimes they don't write back to that one. And when I'm offering them something, they do write back. And so, you know, right. it's it's human nature to some mm-hmm. degree. Uh, The frustrating points have been when I have had close friends that have then made it to that next level and really pull back on the friendship is something that's definitely disconcerting. Um, It's happened to me a handful of times, but, but I will say that it's incredible when you find the real gems and Nikki Glaser is one of the gems of a human being. I mean, one of my best friends and just the kindest, most down to earth wanting to help and constantly if you look at her instagram story every day she's promoting five other comedians and most comedians never do that yeah she's wonderful point.
0: yeah i mean and she was just recently on uh bill mar not that recently but bill mar's club random podcast does that is that a dick move that he already had like such a he's got a show with the panel, he can bring people on, he's making, you know, big ratings and whatever, and he wants to come into the podcast scene now and also do numbers there.
1: Yeah, that's annoying to me kind of in general, even though I also get it <laughs> just because right. they, like I, don't feel probably secure. Like, he might think, what if HBO cancels me in two years? What do I do? Mm. I need to have the access to my fan base. You know, I find it a little bit unnecessary and a little frustrating that I haven't been able to get another or even had opportunities to be considered for another TV hosting gig or a game show hosting gig. And like Fallon's hosting a new game show and Kimmel's mm. about to host a new game show. It's like, do these guys, you're hosting the tonight show. Do you really need also a small game show? Like, mm. At least he's having somebody else kind of host that to some degree. So that's cool of him. But you know what I mean? It's like, it's frustrating that all these huge stars, but they're not doing it to be dicks. They're doing it because they also need to secure their own security. So it's more so my own insecurities that think that I think more than it is unfair, because I probably would take work as I can get it too. I, I So I find it frustrating, right. but I don't blame them for it. Um, if that answers your question.
0: I think you kind of encompass all of the emotions of being a human being in that the initial, like, really, he gets that again, get he, mm-hmm. but she, but, uh, um, I don't think Steve Harvey needs to host nine shows and I don't think
1: <laughs> that's <laughs> right. Maybe a bit excessive, but yeah, he didn't I seem get to it. get
0: any, um, major blowback from getting that one cue card wrong after about two months of press. It was like, I think
1: he got three more. might've gotten got more as a yeah.
0: reward. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. But Steve
1: Harvey getting shows wrong with cards show. Failing upward, Steve Harvey. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, he's been pretty successful in a lot of ways too, but Right. now, um, um I also uh not to just talk to a bunch about people you've interacted with, because I think like I think the name dropping thing is like, okay, am I really gonna do this? Yes, I'm gonna <laughs> do this. But I want to ask yeah, Um. No, Monica Lewinsky follows you and has retweeted you, which makes me want to ask about people you've met through politics as well, and just sure. being a politically in-touch person, whether or not it's because you ran
1: for office. Sure, yeah, Monica, I, I, I was friends with her brother growing up, um, but we haven't talked in a long time, but then randomly she got booked on the Telethon for America 2020, the pandemic edition one that we did um, that I was so fortunate to be able to host with Rosario Dawson. And executive produce with her and Alyssa Milano, and we partnered with Represent Us, the amazing organization, and she was on it, and we just kind of bonded in tech check, and I told her that I was friends with her brother, and we just kind of hit it off, and she started following me, and she's retweeted me a few times. She's pretty awesome. I don't know how you figure that out. Is there like a, an app you can see who's retweeted you or something?
0: I was kind of thinking about... Um nardwar should do comedy comedian interviews too, like people who can pull out the most random weird facts about <laughs> comedians yeah. you, are you familiar with nardwar no i'm not oh my god nardwar n-a-r-d-w-u-a-r he does all these interviews on youtube where he pulls a, he, with musicians and he's
1: like i love that to, and he i love just random up. facts and deep pulls i mean it's been incredible being with you on this podcast because you know a lot of the things i've done and you've followed it and so it's exciting for me actually because normally people don't even do any research and, and you are <laughs> kind of having the same conversation over and over again. This has been different. So I really appreciate that. And I enjoy that. Um, but who Did else you met, met
0: Barack Obama, Bill mm-hmm. and Hillary Clinton in 2008. I think you met I them have
1: both. Barack Obama follows me on Twitter. That's a pretty awesome thing. He follows a lot of people, but not, not, yeah. not, not everybody. Um, <laughs> yeah, I messed with Obama and Hillary and Bill and John McCain on the campaign trail in 2008. Um, who have I met? Andrew Yang. I was just tweeting at him last night. Cause I'm angry at him for starting a third party right now at the most fragile moment in our democracy. And he and I did some of the same campaign events on the, on the trail and he started following me. We bonded and he, he was very kind to do a video shout out to my followers during hmm. the campaign. And then hmm. um, he did his speech. This was at the blue bash in New Hampshire and uh, Lacona, New Hampshire, L- Laconia, New Hampshire, I think, um, and I was speaking after him and Marion Williamson, and there was a big line of people that were lining up to get autographs from Andrew Yang, and it was before my speech happened. And so my campaign manager asked his people if he would please wait to come out until my speech was done, and he agreed, which was very nice. That's made them really wait, nice. Made them wait like 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, so that was cool. Um, I like him. I think he sees things too much, though, as far as winning issues and losing issues, and he... Hmm. Um, and I th- and which I can which I also it's why I'm a little bit on the fence now about why we need a third party in this country why he's doing it now and he was just trying to. I just think it's the wrong time and I'm very afraid that he's just going to to give the election to the Republican again. This is not a time for a spoiler right. party when our democracy is very very fragile and he has not replied to those tweets yet. So we'll see if he does. But well, um, I think
0: the standard response to this is not the time is you always tell us this is not the time because we're always told that it's the most essential
1: election. And I know that's true, but it is more true every time. I mean, I I don't think it's hyperbole. Like unfortunately the circumstances, as far as our democracy goes, are getting worse and worse. And so it really is much more the time. Like we thought that in uh, 2016 when Mm -hmm. Trump was running and, but, Is it not clearly way worse in 2020 when an insurrection happened and we're now denying elections free of evidence and half the country believes that there's fraud, that an election that's completely widespread fraud free is fake and is leading towards that? And is it not worse now, two years after that, when the former president has nuclear secrets and top secret documents at his house and people are calling to defund the FBI and threatening our law enforcement agencies just because they went and executed a search warrant to take those documents back before even any charges are made. And still he's trying to over subvert the election. And that's, that's demonstrably worse still. Yes. And the people that voted against him, the most obviously traitorous president we could possibly have eight of 10 just lost their seats in Congress that voted for his impeachment. So, it is just true that we are in a worse place right now. And right. as I tweeted at him last night, it's like, look, I could get behind supporting the concept of the forward party if you promise to not run any national candidates till more than four years from now. That would take us through the midterms and the next presidential. And if things seem to be writing the ship seems to be riding at least back to some semblance of normalcy, then go for it. yeah
0: full disclosure i uh would love to have him on my pod someday and maybe he can respond to this discussion really but yeah who knows if that would that would take place i definitely really enjoyed his presidential campaign and then when he ran for mayor of new york city i kind of observed that maybe there was some he was willing to attach himself to ideas based on what's politically popular um uh, i don't like that but i also i know but i also think that he probably genuinely, whether he has allowed himself to believe this or it's, he has a well-reasoned rationale for it. The, the problems in our democracy and the things that are breaking down, he would probably describe as specifically a function of the two party system. And he, he would say that we, that this growing clash between parties that's, that's making this cult of personality arise on the right. And this sense of what's going on on the left, like we're, Having to deal with all these catastrophic things like is a outgrowth of the two party system. Sure, but he was. I don't saying know that, that I agree. But he wasn't
1: saying that when he ran in twenty nineteen and twenty twenty, and he wasn't saying that when he ran for mayor just last year. So he's only right. saying it now when he's out of options. It seems the with- thing
0: that people have known him for on a wide scale, like the UBI, it does. That's not a part of the forward party's platform because he's he's just trying to. I mean, I can, I can relate as a person who tried to get in politics and tried to grab as much credibility as I can, but it seems like he's trying to find people as broadly as possible that will be palatable to his idea of the Forward Party, even if they have done things in the, like, even if they're standard issue Republicans who have supported all the wars
1: and the things in the past that have been like, do Do you really want these people on your side, Andrew? I don't that's know. That's the thing uh, I don't understand either is like, I totally do think we need a third party. And I think a two party system is idiotic, but the modern day Republican party with v- very few fringe exceptions like Kinzinger and Cheney, and that's only with the issue of democracy. They still vote against very common sense, moral things that are needed in most other categories how can they be in the same party? I think I oftentimes I, – I get torn a lot between that a lot. I always try to speak to the other side, and then I think, forget that. They're too far gone. They, in my eyes, the modern Republican Party has pretty much become a, a force of evil. And so you can't have a party mm-hmm. made up of half evil and half good. That's not a party. We need to, we need to push them into the dustbin of history at this point.
0: A friend of mine who hosts a podcast locally here called Spent the Rent Podcast, Patrick Stutz, he texted me today. We were talking about Liz Cheney. I watched her uh, concession speech where she unequivocally concedes that she lost by a lot, which... Would have been hilarious if she
1: did not concede it. If she was like... Would have been funny. This was a fraudulent election. We're going all the way.
0: (laughs) That would have been funny. But she was also... um, invoking lincoln and how he lost a house and senate race before he won the presidency and kind of doing this 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 is the beginning of the fight not the end kind of thing my friend patrick thinks that she will run on a third party ticket um to try to ruin the election for trump in 2024 well i hope that
1: happens (laughs) i hope that happens i'd also love to see her with a very tall black hat and a beard but i i was thinking it would just be interesting in a republican primary to see her debate trump but That would be awesome, too. That I would love, too. I would love that. She'd be good at it. Um, She talks a little slow, but she'd be good at it. Um, (laughs) But uh, how much has our democracy fallen when we are hoping we are saved by Dick Cheney's daughter? Right. Um, I want to be respectful of
0: your time. You've had a really long day doing press. And uh, even though it's clear that you're having such a great time with me, you want you actually want to be doing the pod for like two or three more hours. I want um, to keep I,
1: doing it for hours.
0: I, I'm the one that has to reject and be like, "Okay, Ben, you're a little bit too pushy." Oh, on that. but
1: please let me stay. <laughs>
0: um, the final question of the show is, is, I mean, it's directly related to what we were just talking about. And in fact, I should say that your campaign's motto was "Take our Take our democracy back."
1: yeah pre-insurrection (laughs) pre-insurrection
0: that's what i'm saying man like these people these out of the box thinkers we always think that they're just these fringy people and then history tells us we should have been listening to them
1: (laughs) well look at look at how many people like you said up top kind of didn't kind of laughed at the idea of a comedian becoming president and look at ukraine now the hero leader of the planet Zelensky famous comedian before before he ran and played the president for many years on on a comedy show
0: right for me it was talking about the basic dignity and rights that unhoused people have because eugene is the most um the most unhoused people per capita in the whole uh, country and wow. um we just also we're also a very big track and field town the hometown of nike Birthplace of Nike was University of Oregon, and of course they've got these big track meets, and they sweep all the homeless people away and 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 re- force them to relocate in ways that are often unsafe and et cetera. Um, so not cool. So that's something I talked about, and then that became a much bigger issue afterwards. But um, it's always an issue, and the question that I was getting to was, what is something that is broken in society, and what is part of a solution? in the mind of Ben Glebe.
1: Our democracy is broken. Our government is broken. Um, and the solutions are we need to, in the sh- in the immediate term, indict Trump on every charge possible. I want all five cases that are coming at him to lead to three to five of them with major indictments and convictions and jail time and jail time for all of his... No one's above s- the law. ...supporters are endorsed. That's a basic part of what our country is, that no one's above the law and starting to then beyond that jail anybody who then continues saying oh they are doing this as a political persecution if you don't have evidence you don't have an opinion if you don't have evidence you don't have a right to say that what's happening is wrong or is a persecution if all evidence points to the exact opposite and that Mm. is is equally contributing to the unraveling of our society and needs to be punished because you cannot just be frivolous due to the ego of a party or the ego of a cult of personality, even from the all the way down to the smallest supporter to not be able to wake up and say, okay, we were brainwashed. We were wrong, but now we, we will make amends. You stick by it. You also then become an enemy of the state. Uh, That's part of it. Part of how we fix it also is we need to, cancel fox news we need to take away their label of news and oan and newsmax they cannot put the word news on propaganda (laughs) machines you cannot um be declaring war in your lower third chyrons on screen every few days at things that are normal or that are necessary actions just to try to rein in people that are lawlessly trying to take down the country it needs to stop it is libelous and slanderous and, tyrani- and tyrannical and treasonous and very, very, very dangerous. And we've let it go on for far too long. We need to rein in the censorship that is happening at a rapid rate on the hands of these, by the hands of these tech companies that are not letting us even say words like fascism or vaccine or anti vaccine or sex or whatever they're just not allowing us beyond the the seven dirty words that carlin spoke of my favorite
0: yeah my favorite examples are the mike lindell crates, the my pillow guy is like we're gonna have a real free speech platform but you can't use swear words because it's against god or truth social is like this is the word i mean truth social as a as a name is just it's beyond parody right. but um I believe they're saying like you can't talk about the the insurrection you can't talk about January 6th on here it's and, I would
1: not so, be surprised that's insanity yeah. and then and then lastly we need the only way to ever right the ship in a more long-term way is we just very urgently must pass sweeping anti-corruption bills across the country until it gets to a a pivot point or a, a critical mass point where we pass it nationally and we get the money out of our politics we get voter suppression outlawed in every single form and we um, make it so that there is no dark moneyed interests that are being the rulers of the day instead of the voice of the everyday person and represent us is the organization that is fighting most hard for that and is mm. most eloquent at a very actionable plan to do that. So I encourage people to go to represent.us watch the Jennifer Lawrence video, watch the Michael Douglas video and, and volunteer to help out what they're doing and passing their reforms at the local level all the way on up to the national level.
0: Two things. One, my father really bemoaned the repeal of the fairness doctrine a few decades ago. Yes.
1: That's a major part of what has allowed Fox and their ilk to perpetuate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It was basically a truth in advertising, but, but, but for broadcasting and they pulled it away and it's insane.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, I honestly get very um, scared about the future. I mean, about everything you hit on with in response to my question was essentially about how to actually have teeth when um, responding to just massive misinformation and misinformation made for profit, you know, and then, and so it is really worrisome to me. Um, don't remember what else I was going to say. Uh, this has been a really, really excellent, confident way to end the podcast, Thomas. Perfect. Yeah, I, know, I like
1: that ending. I like that <laughs> soft landing, as it were. Um, the Mad Glee- the Mad
0: King, the Mad Gleeve, <laughs> by Ben, ben Glebe uh, is that's on my YouTube. New special. It's the top link in the um the the podcast description, y'all. So hit that. Definitely give it at least two minutes of your time if you're just trying to put a view on
1: it. But really, you should watch the damn thing because it's very, very freaking funny. And actually, how long people watch affects algorithm, I'm told, more than views. So if you start it, try right. to clear an hour. I think you'll – my comedy is a little more long form. You're right. going to laugh very hard throughout the hour, but you need to make some time. And then if you do like it, please do leave comments and share it on your socials because it we need to – break the shadow ban we need to get these ideas out there and i promise you you're you're gonna laugh hard it's not too serious it's serious and it's silly we crafted the set list and very intentionally said it goes from silly to serious to personal story to social issue back to silly i mean we really tried to make it follow a flow that really keeps you on your toes and just just very laugh out loud enjoyable so i hope you find it to be so
0: I remembered the other thing that I was gonna say.
1: Oh, look and, at that! He brings it home.
0: <laughs> um, maybe it's my small town mentality, but you know, I have I have a good deal of friends who are conservative or conservative leaning. We've been uh, alienated and estranged from each other in the last seven plus years, largely. But I, I still have a lot of those connections, and I think some of them are, frankly, going to diagnose you and this I- podcast and your special as all like woke like like hyper progressive liberal crap that they don't need to pay attention to because it won't it'll just look down on them and it won't uh, give them anything of value that is not true and it's one of the true. reasons I-, I make fun <laughs> of uh, extreme wokeism in my special absolutely you also have a, a bit that makes fun of the roller coaster of what we were told during the pandemic and how yes, best I to make respond fun to of, it
1: yeah i yeah. make fun of the pandemic responses a lot i i poke light fun at the me too movement i poke light fun at lots of things at vegetarianism i poke fun at lots of things i take a lot of our sacred cows and i have fun with them i don't believe that my my special is very far left at all i feel like it's just human and and i try to see things issue by issue that's why i'm endorsing the forward party to take this cut i'm kidding not now Andrew. (laughs) not now andrew
0: all right hey ben hopefully uh I will only continue to rise and
1: I and it'll all be because of you. And maybe you can even come back sometime when you're promoting something else. I would love it, man. It's been really a lovely, intelligent conversation. And I wish you the best of luck with everything. I really appreciate your your attention to detail and your care about the world and your care about things that matter. It's been a true pleasure. It's been a very happy hour and then some uh spending it here with you and i miss speaking at the end just so i can end it messed up to make you feel less bad about what you did earlier and then now you ended a good now i'm i bad ending cool i'm reminded
0: now i'm doing his fist pump do you like bo burnham
1: love bo burnham
0: bo burnham's hilarious he i think you i was thinking about saying you were my favorite stand-up comedian but bo burnham is it's hard to beat and uh, Shane Gillis is right behind. He's been he's been pretty good uh, lately. I don't really um, but- know
1: Shane at all, um, mm-hmm. but I will tell you that, Bo was asking me for tips when he started doing stand-up, So there's that.
0: Hell yeah! Only reason I bring him up is he's got this bit about is he skiing or is he in a gay porn? And is uh, the two fists uh,
1: held sure. up. Sure. All right. Thanks, everybody. I do that hand motion. So uh, I'm glad that checked out. All right.
0: Thanks, Ben. Uh, Thank you, buddy. Good luck with uh, everything, and we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Bye.
1: Oh, and subscribe to Last Week on Earth, my podcast, for crying out loud. Heck yeah.